Okay, there are there are very few things that can wreck family relationships the way uh, dividing up inheritance can wreck family relationships. Uh, there are uh, these feelings inside, heirs, that um, I'm worried about what I may or may not get. I'm worried that somebody might uh, maneuver or manipulate and get maybe what I could have gotten. I'm worried that I won't get uh, what I should get. Um, there are also instances where uh, people who are uh, who have done more care who have uh, for for an elderly aging parent than someone else. Maybe they feel like they deserve, and maybe they do deserve more than the, the sibling who, who hasn't been home in, in five years. Or so these are, it's amazing how how quickly inheritance issues can can turn ugly, how long they can stay ugly, the amount of damage they they can do. Uh, and our passage today is about inheritance issues. For, for those of us who've come to believe in Jesus, for those of us who, who believe that what Jesus did uh, on the cross was he hung there on the cross taking the penalty I deserve for my sin and you deserve for yours. For those who believe that, the Bible says we enter into a guaranteed inheritance. And, and the good news about that inheritance and what Paul wants to share with us today is, is no one can maneuver no one can scheme, um, and, and no one can, can take away the inheritance that we, we have in Christ. We, we learn about this inheritance all over. It's even called an inheritance in places like uh, Hebrews 9, 1 Peter 1, Ephesians 1, Colossians 3. Um, and what it is, what this inheritance is, we usually call it heaven, but it's eternal life. Um, John, in the book of Romans, wrote about eternal life this way. This is our inheritance. Seeing a vision of the future, our inheritance, John wrote this, Look, or behold, the residence of God is among human beings. God will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will not exist anymore. And neither will mourning or crying or pain. For the former things have ceased to exist. That's our inheritance. That's what's waiting for us because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Now, who gets that inheritance? Um, what can I do that, that might foul that up? That's what Paul wants to talk about today. And that's what we want to talk about today in this passage. Um, Romans 4, 13 through 16. Now, where we're at in the book of Romans, briefly, we're still in the second uh, section of the body of the book of Romans. And in that section, Paul's been teaching us about justification by faith. Justification is a word that means to be counted righteous or reckoned righteous or declared to be righteous. That's justification. And Paul has taught since Romans 3.21 that justification comes to people by faith alone, in Christ alone, in Jesus alone. No one will be 
counted righteous based on their works. That's their behaviors. That's what Paul taught in the first section of the body of the book of Romans. That there's no one righteous based on our behavior or, or religious deeds. We're all without excuse before him. That's why we need saved by God or rescued by God. And that rescue comes through Jesus Christ and to all those who believe in Jesus. Now, where we're at uh, specifically, Paul has just lifted up Abraham, one of the patriarchs of the faith, as is an example of justification by faith. Paul quoted uh, Genesis 15, 6, which says, Abraham believed God, and God credited Abraham's faith as if it were a lifetime of righteousness. That's how we are saved. And today, Paul wants to talk about Abraham's inheritance. Faith like Abraham's leads to an inheritance like Abraham's. Let's read our passage together this morning. Just four more verses again, and then we'll see what Paul teaches us about our eternal inheritance. Romans 4, 13 through 16. They read this way. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants, and remember, that's us. Paul taught us last week that, that we are all children of Abraham if we believe like Abraham. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be the heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. Verse 15, For the law brings about wrath, but where there's no law, there's also no violation. And for this reason, it, inheritance, is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only those who are of the law, but also those who, like us, are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. So Paul, by this point in the book, he's made sure that we understand that, that justification, being counted righteous by God, only happens as a free gift that God promises to give to those who believe. Justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And now that we know that, Paul wants to make sure today that we understand the full inheritance of eternal life. A full inheritance comes also, is guaranteed by faith alone. He says it this way in Romans 4, 13. Uh, For the promise to Abraham and to his descendants, that's us, that he would inherit the world is not fulfilled through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. This is just a plain statement by Paul that, uh, that teaches once God promised Abraham an inheritance, it was guaranteed when Abraham believed. That's what this says. Um, Abraham was, was promised some different inheritances, uh, some different promises. He was promised that, that his descendants would inherit uh, the promised land, and, and they will, Israel will have that land forever. But Abraham was also looking, the author of Hebrews tells us, at a, a heavenly city, an eternal reward, and our inheritance in the New Testament, in those passages I mentioned before, is eternal life. And it's, it's guaranteed, it's stored in heaven for us already, uh, Peter says, and we are being reserved, preserved 
for it. Um, that is, that's our inheritance. Now, what do we have to do to enjoy that inheritance work? where he will dry every tear from our eyes and there'll be no more pain, no more death, that eternal life. What do we have to do to enjoy that inheritance? And the answer is nothing. We, a non-action guarantees that for us. All we must do is believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I've said this for weeks now, can that be hard to believe? That I don't have to do anything to be guaranteed this eternal, unfading, undefiling, uh, awesome inheritance where I'll live in harmony with God forever and ever. I don't have to do anything to gain that inheritance. I, I only have to believe. Is that hard to believe? Yes, it is. That's why Paul wrote this little paragraph that we're going to study this morning. Because in this paragraph, the rest of this passage is Paul giving us three reasons why our inheritance, eternal life, must be guaranteed by faith. It has to be that way. And Paul's going to give us three reasons why. He says in verse 14, uh, just like Abraham was guaranteed an inheritance by faith, now he's going to tell us why that has to be guaranteed by faith. Three different reasons why that is true. The first one comes in verse 14. Paul says this, or he teaches us this, eternal inheritance must be guaranteed by faith or else God's promise of justification by faith is an empty promise. It wasn't real. If Paul has made anything clear in this section of the book of Romans, it's this, justification. People like us being declared righteous enough to enter eternal life that's by, that's by faith alone. It won't be done. It won't be declared righteous by anything we do. Correct? Paul's made that very clear. Well, now Paul is going to be addressing a, a sneaky uh, line of reasoning that, that works its way into Christianity, into the church, that goes something like this. The line of, of reasoning goes like this. Okay, well, so people are, like people get into heaven based on their faith alone. God, a free gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ, and our, our faith in that guarantees that God will give us that gift. But we don't get the full inheritance by faith alone. The idea is something like this. What if it's like our faith gets us to the car wash, but it only guarantees us the, the $5 wash, the basic wash, you know, it doesn't, not the undercarriage, not the wax, not the spot-free rinse. If we want to get the, 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 the full double wash package uh, with the different colored wax and an undercarriage and all that stuff, we've got to perform for that one. Or it's like this. Faith might get us in, like, like there's a doggy door in the, in, in the back door of heaven. And faith, like, gets us through the little cat flap. But if we want to, it gets us into the mail room of heaven. But if we want the full timeshare experience, the full all expenses paid vacation of heaven, we've got to perform for that. We've got to work for that. Paul is teaching us today that line of thinking is false. And he starts right here in, in, in verse 
13. Well, in verse 13, he said, Abraham's inheritance and our inheritance as children of Abraham is guaranteed by faith. And it has to be that way. You know why? Read verse 14 again. Paul says, if, if people become heirs by the law, faith is empty. God's promise of justification by faith was a lie. It wasn't a real promise. Here's why that is true. If, if Abraham's inheritance wasn't for sure the moment he believed, he hadn't really been declared righteous by God. Let me approach this from another direction. What does justification mean again? What's the word justification mean? To be justified mean? It means to be declared righteous. Now, when we are justified by faith, who are we declared righteous by? By God. And whose standards of righteousness are we declared to have met? God's standards. Now, does God have high standards of what righteousness looks like or low standards of what righteousness looks like. God has very high standards. For God, righteousness looks like absolute perfection. And so here's what Paul is saying. When Abraham was declared righteous by God, if Abraham is declared righteous by God, that's by God's standards. When I or when you, when anyone is declared righteous by God by faith, God declares them uh, legally to, to have a kind of righteousness that means they've never done one thing wrong and they've never failed to do a right thing they should have done. Paul will tell us later in this book, when we are declared righteous by God, we get the righteousness of Jesus Christ put on our account. We look like we have lived Jesus' life to God. Now, can that be improved upon could you ever look better to God than that? No, it's impossible. Therefore, if, if there is any kind of wait and see with God's justification of us, if, if God declared Abraham to be righteous, but his inheritance wasn't guaranteed until God waited to see how uh, Abraham lived his life, and Paul's arguing, then God really didn't declare Abraham to be righteous. You see, there's this other idea in Christianity that what happens like when we come to church is we just get the whiteboard that has all of our sins written down on it, wiped clean for that period of time, and then we have to wait and see if we can be really good and hang on to that level of righteousness where God just wipes our sin away. And if we mess up, well, then we better go back and, and have that done again. That is not Christianity. That's not the way this works. When someone comes to believe in Jesus Christ, the gavel hits the bench of heaven. And God declares you or me, declares a believer to be justified. The promise is not, I will give you a second chance to try and do better. That's not the promise. When Paul says, and here in verse 14, the promise is nullified if we have to work for our inheritance. Here's the promise he's talking about. Romans 3.28 says, For we consider that a person is declared righteous by faith, apart from the works of the law. That 
is the promise. So our inheritance is not, all right, well, I've been, I, got on the, I get in the doggy door of heaven, but I've got to work really hard to see if I get anything good in eternal life. Uh, our inheritance issue is not, will I get it? Won't I get it? Will somebody else get what I wish I had? Here's the inheritance issue of heaven. By faith, we get what Jesus deserved. Paul's going to tell us we received the adoption as sons. We get written into the will as if we were as righteous as Jesus Christ. And that happens by faith. So the first reason our inheritance, our eternal inheritance, must be by faith alone is because um, God promised that we're completely justified. We're seen as perfect by him, by faith. The second reason that our inheritance must be by faith alone comes in verse 15, and it's this. Our inheritance must be guaranteed by faith alone because if it were by law, nobody would get one. If our inheritance depended upon our behavior, we would not get an inheritance. Nobody would get out of that mail room because the law is a package deal. Paul says this in verse 15. This is a two-part answer. First, he says, for the law brings wrath. And he says, because where there's no law, there's no transgression either. It's been a long time since we studied uh, Romans 3.20. It seems like a long time anyway. Uh, if We were still meeting as a church. Do you, do you remember there was a time way back where people could get together in large groups? Does anybody, does anybody remember that in the good old days? It seems like it was like the 1840s. Right? It seems like the last time we came, we came to church, we had to, to hook up a team of horses and steer our wagons to the church house. Um, but it wasn't that long ago we studied Romans 3.20, and Paul told us the reason for the law. Here's what he said. For no one is declared righteous before God by the works of the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. When I taught that passage, I quoted uh, the Phillips New Testament, which, which said that at this point, the law is the straight edge that shows us how crooked we are. That's the purpose of the law. God did not give the law hoping that we would live good enough according to the law that he could look at us at our judgment and say, you are righteous because of how you followed all those rules. That's not the purpose of the law. Once sin entered the world, we were broken. We had no chance to, to be righteous by our behavior. So God gave the law to show us what human righteousness would look like so that, it, we, so that we would compare our lives to human righteousness and realize, I, I, I'm not righteous. That's, that's the purpose of the law. How many people can be righteous according to the law? No one is going to be declared righteous according to the law. So let's go back to Romans 4.15 on the bottom of the screen here, and think about that in regards to our inheritance. If what God does is, is when we come to believe in Jesus, he just wipes the whiteboard that has our sins written down on it, and you know, that sort of we get into the, the mail room of heaven, but he's waiting to see how we live our lives to, to, to determine if we get the varsity level um, eternal life experience or the JV or the C team level of eternal life experience. If that's the way it works, what Paul says right here is nobody's getting out of the mailroom. Nobody's getting off the C team. Because we don't have any more ability to please God, to be pleasing via the law, via our behavior, 
after we become believers than before because the law is a package deal. The law doesn't have just a list of suggestions that God tells us to live by. It also has curses that tells us what we deserve for, for failing. And, and the law is a package deal. James 2.10 in the New Testament would still apply if we are trying to work our way into the varsity heaven experience. And James 2.10, this is Jesus' half-brother, says this, For the one who obeys the whole law and fails and stumbles at just one point before God, it's like they're guilty of breaking all of it. The law is a package deal. Everything Paul taught in the first section of the book of Romans about how unable we are to keep the law would still apply if we were just trying to uh, gain an inheritance through our behavior. It won't work. Praise God. Our inheritance is guaranteed by Jesus' behavior and, and not ours. The second part of this verse, verse 15, Paul writes this, because where there's no law, there's no transgression either. Where's the place where there is no law? Paul's going to tell us. And if we believe in Jesus Christ, we live in that place. That place is called grace. In chapter 6, Paul is going to teach us this amazing fact. If you believed in Jesus, Paul's going to say this about you. You are not under law. You're under grace. You know what that means? That means if you're not under law, you cannot transgress the law. That means God, not only does God not just wipe our whiteboard clean, uh, I mean, he does do that, but he doesn't pick up the, the marker and start making note of all of our sins after that. It's like he takes the whiteboard and throws it out the window. We're not under law. That's what grace means. We get undeserved favor, unmerited benefit. That's grace. Now, this doesn't mean that, we're, that you and I will never sin again, how I wish it meant that. It doesn't mean God doesn't care when we do sin, it just means God's not still writing citations to punish us anymore. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. That's not the way this works. We're not under law. How can you transgress rules you are no longer under? That's what Paul says here. Another place Paul talked about this was to the Colossians. In Colossians 2, 14... Paul wrote this, God has destroyed what was against us. There was this certificate of debt. Uh, it was expressed in decrees, the laws that were opposed to us. He has taken all that away and nailed it to the cross. If we think of our sin as God recording on the whiteboard all the bad things we have done, he took that whole whiteboard and nailed it to the cross with Jesus. And we are no longer under law. Not uh, to keep us out of eternal life and, and not to keep us from the full inheritance Jesus won for us. So the second reason why our inheritance must be guaranteed by faith is because if it's guaranteed by our behavior, none of us are getting one. This is not a, uh, 
this is not a denigration of the seriousness of sin. You know, it, it actually is an increase of the seriousness of sin. If my sin can keep me from an inheritance, I'm not getting one. Now, I promise you three reasons. Paul did teach three reasons why our inheritance has to be, must be guaranteed by faith. But before I tell you the third one, I think I better answer a question. I can't see your faces this morning, but I know, I know there are people who are, um, who are raising an objection in their minds. Their, their, their hand in their brain is going up. They have a question. They have an objection. And here it is. But wait a minute, Maxwell. What about eternal rewards? What the, doesn't the Bible teach? Didn't Paul teach in this book already that we are all, even Christians, are going to stand before Jesus and have the, the behaviors of our lives judged? Doesn't Paul teach elsewhere that uh, every, every, every Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema uh, and have uh, how we have lived judged by Jesus? Yes, 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 and yes. That is going to happen. Paul described it. It's like all the works and behaviors of our lives as Christians, and this judgment does not decide who goes into heaven or hell. This is a different judgment. But Christians, all of the behaviors of their lives will be gathered up, and Paul says it's like they'll be put into a fire. And all of the things we did out of selfish ambition, all the things we did just for ourselves, that will just be burned up like they won't exist. But there are things that Christians will do that will last through that fire, like if you put um, rubies or diamonds or emeralds in that fire. They, they will survive. And, and that's real. That's biblical. That's going to happen. But I'm convinced that's, that's not teaching us that we have to work our way to the varsity experience of heaven. Here's what... Uh, Here's, here's the way to look at those eternal rewards, I think. To make sense of what Paul says today and what Paul says elsewhere. First, in, in Romans 2.8, Paul said that anything we do out of selfish ambition will not be rewarded by God. So God didn't give a system of eternal rewards to tell, to, to, so that we would work our way into having more into heaven uh, more in heaven for eternity than, than other people. Have a nicer place for us so people could look at us and kind of be impressed. That, that's not what eternal rewards are for. In fact, if we do things out of selfish ambition, even if it's eternal ambition, um, I believe those things will be burned up. But there are things that we can do as Christians that, that match with our created purpose. Do you remember why you were created? Why did God create you? To make Him look good. To glorify Him. To honor Him. To thank Him. And when we, as believers, when we do something completely selflessly, because it doesn't get us into heaven, Jesus got us into heaven, when we do something completely selflessly, um, that makes God look good, God will never forget those things. But those things, they, they will survive eternally somehow, but those things will be reminders of what a holy and righteous and glorious God could do on earth through sinful people like us. 
None of those things will be eternal memorials to how awesome or moral I was on earth. They'll be memorials to how God could work to get his glory through someone like me. And when we stand before God and we experience his full holiness and righteousness, and we hear him deem us to be righteous, all of the, the self-righteousness will be scrubbed out of us. And we, we know everything that anyone has for eternity will be a memorial of the glory and grace and love of God. Now, I want to move on to the third and final reason why, why God says, or why Paul says, that our inheritance must be by faith alone. And that's this. Our inheritance, our eternal inheritance, must be guaranteed by faith alone so that we can be certain we will get it. Romans 4.16 reads this way. For this reason, it, that's inheritance, inheritance is by faith, so that it may be by grace, with the result that this promise of an inheritance may be certain to all the descendants, not just who are biologically related to Abraham, Jews, Israelites, but also to those of us who have the faith of Abraham who believed before we were ever under the law. This reason is my personal favorite. Paul tells us that, that it, our inheritance, heaven, eternal life, is by faith so that it can be by grace. If there, is, if there, is, if there are any behavioral requirements for our inheritance, our inheritance stops being by grace. It starts being wages that we earn. And Paul is teaching our inheritance, eternal life, is by grace. It's a free gift. It's nothing anyone will ever deserve. Remember, our salvation is not about us proving to God how good we are. It's about God proving to us how good he is. And he is so, so good to offer a way to save, to rescue people who will never deserve that rescue, to give an inheritance to people who will never deserve that inheritance. God is so good. And Paul tells us here one of the major results of that plan for salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. And it centers in this word right here. Do you see this word on the screen? The word is certain. Inheritance is by faith, so that it may be by grace. We want to earn our inheritance from God, but he will only give. And here's the result of that. That's how we know this promise of an inheritance can be certain to all the descendants of Abraham. If, there, if eternal life, if, if our inheritance, if there are any behavioral um, requirements for it, you or I can never be certain we've done enough to get there. And that makes it terrifying to die. And because we all know in our hearts tomorrow is not promised to any of us, it makes it kind of terrifying to live. Because how can we know we've done enough? You know, most of us, most of us grew up not believing that that is true. Like we can't ever know that, that, that we have an inheritance reserved for us. Most of us aren't taught this way. Most, 
most uh, churches, they, they mean well, but they, they, they don't communicate this, this feeling that, that God is so gracious and so giving um, that, that Jesus did everything it took to win my inheritance. Um, and here's why. Since the very beginning, since, since uh, the, the, the good news, the gospel began to spread, there's this push from inside the church even to begin to say, you know, if we tell people that salvation, that a full inheritance is guaranteed by faith alone, man, people are going to go crazy. People won't come to church. Um, people, people will just sin like mad. And so there's always been a desire, a push to, to add behavioral requirements to grace, which makes it no longer grace. If there are any behavioral requirements, then justification, salvation, eternal life is no longer the gift of grace that Paul said it is. I want to quote something that um, a friend of mine, Brian Clark, the pastor of Lincoln Berean, what he said one time uh, about this passage, uh, actually, and it's about how churches fail in this. Um, because we're scared uh, as church leaders that if we tell people salvation is a free gift of God's grace to all those who believe, like they won't come, they won't give, uh, they'll just sin like mad, uh, and so we have to try to use fear uh, to control people. Here's what Pastor Clark said. Most denominations, he writes, would deny that they add one single work to what Jesus did on the cross. They would say, we believe in salvation by grace through faith. It was all Jesus. And they would maintain that position until you choose to leave that denomination. And then they will remind you, you cannot get to God without us. And at that point, the jig is up. They've been exposed. And then Pastor Brian says this, you don't need any denomination to merit righteousness with God. It's salvation by grace through faith alone. Many of us have felt how churches try to use the threat of you not making it into heaven at all, not getting to eternal life, uh, not having uh, a full inheritance unless you show up regularly, unless you give at a certain rate. God will take your eternity away. You won't have what you could have one day. Read back through today's passage. How do you think those ideas mesh with what Paul taught about inheritance being guaranteed at the moment of faith. You know, eternal life is living in, a, in, a, in, a, in one with God. Jesus said eternal life is that they may know you, the Father, and me, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is guaranteed by faith. It cannot be improved upon. We, as believers, we gain as our inheritance, what Jesus deserved. And we may have some other memorials of what God did through us on earth, but eternal life, our full inheritance, that we will inherit the whole earth, is guaranteed at the moment of faith. 
And when, when people and when churches and when parents threaten God's anger and wrath still being on people unless we do certain religious things, or how does that mesh to what John wrote? 1 John 5, 13. John said this, I have written this letter, 1 John. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. If there are behavioral requirements for our inheritance, we, that verse is not true. We can't know, but the Bible says we can. Do you know why? Because that's how good God is. That's what grace means. Listen to me. Listen to me. You do not need me to go to heaven. You do not need an Imperial Berean Church to go to heaven. You do not need any other church or denomination or religious ritual to go to heaven. You did need something to go to heaven, to gain eternal life. But everything you will ever need to happen for you to, to gain eternal life, everything that you will ever need for you to gain a full inheritance and in eternal life was done for you on a cross outside the walls of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Does that sound too good to be true? That you can just believe and then know with certainty God's going to judge you as if you lived a perfect life? That is why we worship God. That right there. You know, when, when we, I'm so looking forward to when we can get back together and, and, and do church in our, in our sanctuary over here. And when we start a service, how do we normally start? We put a little countdown timer up so that everybody knows when to stop uh, drinking coffee and, and come on in. And the first thing we do on the first day of the week is we stand together and we sing a song that praises and thanks and glorifies God. You know why? Because we are standing in grace. We are standing. We, before we do anything religious, before we give any money, before we take communion, before we do anything like that, we sing and praise God for what he did for us through Jesus Christ. Our eternity is secure. It's guaranteed because Jesus won us. And he promises to take all those who don't deserve any inheritance at all with him into his inheritance. And we will reign and we will rule with him. And we will live with him for all of eternity. Would you pray with me and then we'll share some announcements or I'll share some information at the end. Father God, thank you for what you did for us at the cross. Thank you that uh, if we are justified by faith, that means we are counted completely perfect by the only one who is perfect, you. When you give us legally the perfection of your son. God, help the, the, the comfort that comes with knowing you have won our inheritance and our eternity. Give us a desire to come do life with you, to know this God who, who won our eternity. That's why, that's why we sit down in front of Facebook. It's why we come to church, not because it gets us to heaven, because it helps us know the one who got us to heaven. We love you, God. 
impress upon our hearts first faith in Jesus Christ alone and then the comfort that comes from knowing that you have guaranteed our eternity and you keep your promises. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.